Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. And uh, shout out to our uh, resident super producer and regicide expert, the research associate for this episode, Mr. Max Williams. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. indeed. Regicide. I love that word. Mm, Do you remember a the death metal band named Deicide? Yes, to kill a god. To kill a god. All these asides. And There's we patricide. Have, yeah, and we will have many asides of our own in this episode, most likely, in terms yeah. of tangents. A lot of poop jokes, by the way. I'm I'm Ben, you're Noel. Because I... We are a no-pun-left-behind kind of crew. And we want to start, of course, with the requisite disclaimer. Every single death is a tragedy. However, as time passes on uh, and you get a little distance, you can see the gallows, or in this case, the poop humor in some of these unfortunate things, especially when we're talking about medieval era royalty uh, who had a tendency to be corrupted by the power that they wielded. You know, we talk about the Song of Ice and Fire books a lot when we do these accounts of royals and some of their uh, bad behaviors. Um, You may recall, spoiler alert, I guess, for the series, um, a major character that gets killed by a crossbow while sitting on the privy. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. This is a continuation of our ongoing Royal Deaths series. Check out parts one and two in your podcast feed of choice. This one, like you said, Noel, this one has a little bit of uh, a little, little bit more of a focus as well. In this episode, we're exploring the stories of British monarchs and a German-born Russian empress who all died in 
weirdly similar ways depending upon which historical uh, sources you trust. So shout out to shout out to some of our sources, Khalid El Hassan for History Collection, Yoda Suzuki, MD, and Abe DeAndre Jr., MD for National Library of Medicine. Of course, Britannica.com. Uh, more and more, I'm persuaded that they're they're just solid with a lot of their research. And uh, spoiler, Elizabeth Maxim, grunge.com, great people of history who died on the toilet. 100%. So why don't we get to it? Or should I say poo-poo it? I shouldn't, but I did. No pun left No takesies backsies on ridiculous history. George II, uh, 1683, born, passed away, 1760. He was the king of Great Britain, the elector of Hanover, and a prince elector of the Holy Roman Empire, of course, until he passed away. He was a constitutional monarch, so this was a little bit different than the, like, you know, power bestowed by God, right? Like absolute monarch, yeah, yeah. So he, there were some other people in the room who could say, I don't know, man, I love to yes-hand you because you're the king and you could kill me, but— mm, so we're let's in, talk it through. We're, we're in the era where parliament is really starting to kind of take the reins, right? We're yet yeah, we're in an er- era wherein people are still accepting the notion that royalty and monarchy are divinely inspired and decreed, but uh, the role of some demographic of the people is increasingly uh, prominent, right? So the as a constitutional monarch, our buddy George II, to your point, he doesn't have a ton of control over concrete British policy. However, people, I don't want to say mascot, but kind of mascot, the people love this feeling of continuation, right? Of legacy, of stability. And the British Empire also prospers during George's time as king. He is the last British monarch born outside of Great Britain. He is also the last British monarch to personally lead an army into battle. Uh, Queen Elizabeth just never quite got there. That battle took place in 1743, the War of Austrian Secession. Mm -hmm. George commanded troops in what is known as the Battle of Dettingen against a French army. That's right. And then in 1745, there was a bit of a political scare when uh, a an uprising was staged by the Jacobins uh, in order to restore the Stuart dynasty to the throne. Um, but this was a, a, an abject failure. So uh, more or less during George's uh, tenure, things were pretty, you know, pretty easygoing as far as political regimes go. I mean, especially in comparison to some other uh, to some other historical reigns. Thing about George, he he wasn't everybody's favorite guy because he did not seem to be a man of the people to the public. He had a thick German accent. Mm-hmm. He he was he was not himself a yes ander. Uh, he was a no butter. Uh, he was he was <laughs> negging people constantly. He was really he really had a short temper, and he was called boorish on uh, often. And boorish does oh. not mean boring. 
No, it means uh, a slovenly kind of um, layabout, I guess, or just someone that lacks decorum, someone that doesn't know how to read the room. And he uh, was not very well liked. You mentioned his accent. He was, in fact, once a small young German boy, and that carried along with him throughout his reign. And that accent alone was sort of like a mm, bit of a red flag to the proper Brits uh, of the day. Yeah, and still... One of the main drivers for uh, what is considered a successful leadership position is how your country is doing while you're in charge. There was a lot of growth in prosperity for Britain. Uh, There was a lot of growth in prestige. The British Empire during this time was continuing its expansion to become the empire where the sun never set with possessions around the globe. Mm-hmm. And just to throw this note in here, this is the guy that our state of Georgia is named after. It's this King George. I want it because there's three in a row. It's right. this one right here. Okay. Good to know that our uh, state, our fair state, was named after uh, a man who suffered uh, about as undignified a death as one could. Um, <sighs> much, much similar to the king of rock and roll, Mr. Elvis Presley. It's October 25th, 1760, a morning like any other. As Tom Petty said, it's good to be king. And so our boy George wakes up 6 a.m. sharp. Good on you for not sleeping in, George. And he has a cup of hot chocolate. Yummy, my hot Yum. cocoa. Mm-hmm. He was probably mad about it, knowing George. And uh, and then he went to the royal toilet and he had a difficult conversation with his uh, facilities, he uh, the polite way to say it is he overstrained himself and he had an aortic aneurysm. And oh, this happens man. to people more often than any of us would like to imagine. If anything, I would hope that the legacy of King George II, besides, you know, the fair state of Georgia, is a lesson uh, to the people to eat lots of fiber and don't strain. The, the, the toilet is not a place to, to read mm-hmm. the paper. Do your business and then and then go elsewhere. Don't just sit there pushing. It's bad. It's bad for the bot. Let it happen to you. And also, uh, <laughs> just be the be the wave in the ocean. Also, uh, shout out to squatty potties, uh, which are apparently way more healthy for you. Anyway, uh, we do know if you'll recall, ridiculous historians in our previous episodes on royal deaths. There are a lot of historical questions, right? There's a lot of vagary in the sources just because of the amount of time that passed and because, honestly, of the importance of the people. So we have to remember that history is kind of – history is always written with a slant. So it's it's difficult sometimes to get the truth about embarrassing deaths of powerful people. In this case, though, we do have some solid sources, more so than others. Because, oh, do we? Oh, we do, know because – do, do we? Uh, because – Mr. Andrews, the house surgeon, closest thing they have to a, you know, Dr. McCoy, uh, he is immediately brought in after after uh, George's valet hears a crash in in the bathroom. He sees that the king has fallen from and Max, really, he has fallen from his throne. I, I, I'm quoting the source. I'm quoting the source. Ah, uh, yes, that's that's our that's our buddy Khalid Elisan. And so he falls from his throne, his commode. And this surgeon, Mr. Andrews, is brought in and says, I can't revive the king. I better keep taking his blood away. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because that was always going to work. That's definitely, uh, it was certainly the science of the times. Uh, but after multiple attempts at bloodletting, uh, it was pretty clear that the king had had passed um, from this mortal coil. I don't know, did, did, did he ever get the... Did the strain result in anything? I don't think he... When you die, you kind of... You, you poop yourself You evacuate so on death. One, yeah. one would hope, that at the very mm. least, he, you know, he, he got it out. Hmm. At the very end. But uh, there are uh, modern doctors who have looked back at this case in specific. There are primary sources. We know a Dr. Nichols performed an autopsy on the king's cadaver and embalmed him as well meaning we have an autopsy report, and this means that in the modern day, medical professionals have been able to examine the case, and they have some differing opinions, uh, you know, with the benefit of modern technology mm -hmm. and uh, modern learning, you can you can poke holes in some of the autopsy. That's right. We have a perspective from some modern physicians, uh, Yota Suzuki, M.D., and Abe Dianda Jr., M.D., uh, wrote in a paper revisiting the death and autopsy of King George II uh, for the National Library of Medicine. And they had this to say, first, as noted in the description of the autopsy, the aorta did not rupture. The right ventricle ruptured. Surgeons have long observed bleeding from the epicardial surface of either ventricle associated with an acute aortic uh, dissection, typically originating from tracking of subadventitial blood from the aorta onto the surface of the heart, not as the result of a hole in the ventricle. Okay, totally get that. Uh, secondly, um, again, going against Dr. Nichols' hypothesis, uh, going back to quoting the, the piece, with modern experience with pulmonary hypertension and with real-time monitoring with either right heart catheterization or continuous monitoring with a pulmonary artery catheter, we know that systemic pulmonary artery pressure or a pressure surge in the artery will not result in rupture or perforation of the right ventricle. Instead, such high pulmonary artery pressures result in acute failure of the ventricle. For example, the pathophysiology seen with a large pulmonary embolism. Third, King George II had been having cardiac symptoms for some time. I think that's the important takeaway here. Yeah, because he had, even, even back then they knew enough about the circulatory system to know that the king had a bum ticker because he had complained about what would be called distresses and sinkings about the region of the heart. Uh, if we if we unpack this, because of course there's a little bit of high-level medical terminology, there everybody is saying that his heart gave out. They're just talking about how it gave out and where, right? How how the how the system broke down with, with arteries, ventricles, etc. We don't know for certain then the absolute specifics of how King George II did pass away, but we do know where. He yeah. died on the toilet. He did. He did. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. 
You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's move on uh, to another royal who I believe was uh, named Edmund Ironside, Edmund the mm. Second, uh, E-D-M-U-N-D, uh, which is a fun spelling of Edmund. Born circa 993, uh, died November 30th of 1016. He was the king of England from April 23rd to November 30th, 1016, and the son of King Ethelred, Ethelred II, uh, the unready. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Best king name of all time, and he pops up so often. He, wasn't, so, he just him. wasn't ready. He was caught unawares every time. 
because this series i've been learning a lot more about this time in history which i really didn't know anything about yeah, but, yeah. um this guy just is always like omnipresent he did nothing as king but he was king but he, was just, he wasn't ready he was always he, he, there he's he always king twice i picture him in like a, a sitcom where they introduce people by their names i want him to show up in the sitcom intro montage you know where the people look toward the camera and do a little bit and i want him to not have been ready for his shot in his guest slot in the camera you know i want him to be on his phone or something and like the edmund or, or uh ooh, making a milkshake anyway edmund here street name edmund ironside uh he possibly died in a, a similar restroom or water closet location he went against his dad in the name of romance uh his oh he loved to see that yeah ethelred the second said i'm not ready classic ethelred for you to marry the widow of this danish lord that's occupying english territory i think you're doing it to up your chances at gaining the throne and edmund was like you're not the boss of me, even though you're the king. So, and you don't understand me, Dad. Mm -hmm, Leave mm -hmm. me alone. And nevertheless, uh, when England was invaded later in 1015, Edmund did raise an army in northern England and he ravaged areas of the world that wouldn't back him up. That's how he got the street name Ironside because of his, quote, staunch resistance to that massive invasion, which was led by a Danish king named Canute, I want to say. Fun note, uh, he, either his son or grandson became king also, and his name was Hardy Canute. It's probably not how it's pronounced, but it's how it's spelled, Hardy Canute. I love a good Hardy Canute. <laughs> I just so. let out a Hardy Canute. I blame yeah. the chili. Just be, just be careful. Louise. We don't want to have you on the next part of this series, Ben. Expiring on the commode. <laughs> no way to go. So when the, his father, uh, Ethelred, passed away in April of 1016, um, there were some, you know, counselors uh, and a citizen group of London town that declared that Edmund was their ruler. But there was also, of course, there's always disputes when there's a monarch who passes away. There was a larger body of more moneyed gentry, perhaps, uh, in Southampton. They uh, declared for Canute. Mm -hmm. They were like, we like the Danish guy better. Uh, and your dad was just really never ready for anything. He was never on time. They were in cahoots with Canute. And if I'm remembering correct, I could look this up really quickly, but I'm not going to. Uh, Canute's dad had been king of England at one point because there was like. I believe Eth that's correct. Ethelred yeah. was king. Then Canute's dad was king. And then Ethelred was king again. Mm -hmm. And then now it's Canute versus Edmund, who's Ethelred's son. Going real Game of Thrones uh, right here. That's really what's going on. And so uh, Edmund decides to go proactive with it. He says, I'm going to be more than ready. And he launches a series of attacks against his rival, Canute. And Edmund is doing pretty well. He regains control of Wessex. He saves London from a siege. Uh, he eventually is defeated by Canute at Ashington in Essex on October 18th. And they have a peace settlement. And in this peace settlement, you know, they talk turkey, they jibber-jabber, and Edmund gets to keep possession of Wessex, and Canute gets all the land north of the Thames, the River Thames. And then after Edmund dies, 
probably of natural causes. We're about to get into it. Canute becomes the sole ruler of England. People are wondering, is it is it a natural cause, an accident of fate, the, the dark lottery of unfortunate events? Over at grunge.com, Elizabeth Maxim, who mentioned earlier, says that Edmund died suddenly on November 30th, 1016. He was a very young dude, by the way. He was in his 20s, and his cause of death was originally listed as having occasion to retire to the house for relieving the call of nature. His brother-in-law hid in the pit, in the outhouse pit, and stabbed the king twice what? from beneath oh, with God. a dagger, oh, left God. the weapon fixed in his butt, and then escaped the bathroom. So death by butt stabbing. Okay, okay. So can we just really quickly paint the, the, the picture? Um, these would have been sort of a more brick and mortar version of like a porta potty, right? So there's like a area underneath where the the stuff goes this guy would have been up to his ankles and human waist uh ankles is very optimistic he would have been in yeah. there he <laughs> hey, would have been remember remember the soap episode this is right. the time period where they didn't use soap also. right right and so this and what does that matter when he's in human sh- well, it's because the human shit ain't going to our afterwards. He's brought him back. He's like, oh, the king is dead. And his like, his like pants were just covered in fecal matter. He's like, he died oh, on the on the throne. Everything's Everyone, fine. I wasn't there. Exactly. <laughs> we got to find out who did this. It's like the mm. hot dog sketch. And I think he should leave. And this comes from, this description comes from Historia Anglorum, which is a history of England written by Henry of Huntington, first published in 1129. Anyway, the other theories say that maybe someone was hiding down there and shot him with an arrow, or maybe somebody was hiding down there and got him in the booty with an iron hook. I bet but, George R. R. Martin took some inspiration from 100%. a lot of these uh, for what, what I described earlier, yeah. A hundred percent. Song of Ice and Fire is very uh, loosely inspired by the War of the Roses as well. So this account is heavily disputed. You'll hear a lot of historians, the majority, in fact, I would say today, arguing that Edmund did die from natural causes but if it's natural causes versus the repugnant story of someone hiding in a uh, a little Dude. pond of poop to kill you through the butt, then uh, you're going to go with that story. He left it in there. Insult to injury. <laughs> well, he can't think about it from his perspective. You can't be running around with it. You're already covered in poop. You look Man, suspicious. It would have been so much easier to just like murder people secretly. There were no fingerprints, no <sighs> DNA, nothing. You know, it was just about like hearsay. If he didn't have an eyewitness, which there wouldn't have been, what's more private than literally the privy? And he's no one's going to be, no one else is going to be down there. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. This would have been connected to a sewage something, like a cistern perhaps. So maybe he could have even crept in there from some other entrance. From outside. I'm, yeah. I, I'm also thinking, you know, the murder weapon would have been the key indicator of regicide because to uh, your point, Max, it probably was way more common for people to run around covered in poop. He was not the only guy who had poop on him. And also, if you're stabbing someone from underneath in They're the bleed. All over you. So, so this guy's covered in poop and blood and potentially guts because that's where that's what would come out. If you stab someone in the butt hole, 
they they would get gutted probably. Especially if you're pushing, you're straining, oh, you're Jesus. rising. And then oh, you're God. pulling. If Because to stab twice, you would have to pull oh, out. We're going to have to flag this one as explicit, aren't we? Didn't you we say there might, was a, a hook was also yeah, potentially in play? Yeah. we're We oh. might tag this one as explicit because... We're talking about prolapsing oh, and Jesus. disemboweling at that oh, point. Oh, this is some goatsy stuff right here, man. Yeah. Don't look that up. Don't look that up. Well, let's we're since we're up, since we're already here, let's go to one of the biggest myths that I'm leaving. needs to be busted. I, I don't, oh my god. Sorry. Catherine the Great, which is a way cooler nickname than the Unready, uh, for many years. You may have heard this too growing up. If you were a history buff, for many years, one of the dirty legends about Catherine the Great was that she died having sexual congress with an animal, specifically a horse, that she was a zoophile. That's not true. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. None of it? The, the death I get, but was she in? I mean, I know she was into some kinky stuff. There, have you seen that show, The Great, uh, on, uh, I think it's on Hulu. Um, it's definitely, definitely some sexy intrigue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's hard to tell what all's real and what's all fake. You know time, what? Because everyone's just slandering everyone. It's what I'm saying. Well, not, not, and I think because she was a strong woman who owned her sexuality, yeah. uh, men didn't like that. And I'm sure rumor mongering was just running wild. And what, what, how better to slander someone for their sexuality than to say something vile, as vile as this, you know? And you say it after they die. Right. And she was also she was also uh, not native to Russia. She was a princess born in Germany yep. who became the empress of Russia from 1762 until she passed away in 1796. And she got the Tsarina, a term I was not mm-hmm. aware of. Is yeah, that like, like kind of a, yeah, but that's it's sort of like a queen versus king, I guess. I've never mm-hmm. heard that term before. Yeah. So she only becomes the queen because, or the empress is the term they would use, uh, because her husband, Tsar Peter III, was assassinated. You know, you got to wonder about the state of their marriage. It was very much a political thing, not a romance thing. People at the upper echelons of society at this time didn't often marry for love. She was married off at age 14. Yeah, and right. yeah, and uh, <laughs> The marriage was disastrous because Peter was mentally unstable, extremely neurotic. And Max, to your point about how history is written, there were were a lot of historians posthumously saying that he was impotent. So 18 years of just an absolute horrible relationship. I think a lot of that is dramatized in The Great. Um, it's been a minute since I've seen it, and I haven't finished it. But it's very good, and it's very funny, actually. Um, I believe Yorgos Lanthimos has something to do with it, the guy who did uh, uh, The Favorite, and he's got a new movie coming out. It's called Poor Things. It's sort of like a Frankenstein kind of story uh, with uh, Willem Dafoe as like a Victor Frankenstein-type figure. It's supposed to be great. I'm a big fan of his work. But yeah, um, definitely... <sighs> could understand why she would work her way to not taking any crap from anybody after being treated so horribly for so long. Yeah, and she did have children, or issue, as they would be called in oh, royal parlance. I don't know uh, that. That's new yeah. to me, too. Learning so much today, guys. Uh, she had a series of lovers, and she herself strongly hinted that none of the kids she had were actually her husband's. And when her, when her husband, uh, he is, Peter was a grand duke when he married this 14-year-old. And eventually he becomes the czar of Russia in 1761. And he is terrible at, at this. 
All he does is talk trash about Russia and talk about how Germany is so much better. Imagine if Steve Jobs went up on those Apple, you know, TED Talk things and just talked about how great Microsoft was and said that iPhones stink. So that was the czar. He was not good for morale. He tried to get rid of his wife several times, like as in kill her, not divorce her. But she also hated him. And so she joined a conspiracy to stage a coup in 1762. Peter is arrested. He is forced to abdicate the throne. And just like in a week or eight days, he is murdered. Catherine gains the the throne and the crown. She is the empress. For 34 years, she will rule Russia. You can imagine this was controversial. Indeed. Um, and she ruled, I believe, quite successfully, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah she, she did a good job. Um, so when she passed away, uh, unfortunately, these rumors started to circulate um, that because of her insatiable sex drive, again, I'm quotation fingers here, uh, that she died from sustaining injuries resulting from, as you mentioned, Ben, intercourse with a horse. The truth, however, um, while embarrassing, was not nearly as inflammatory. Um, The truth, in fact, was uh, that she had been suffering from bouts of constipation. Mm. And much like our our first uh, entry in today's episode, perhaps may have pushed a little too hard uh, seeking relief while on the privy. And suffered a stroke. She would have been... Of, of more advanced years here as well, right? Yeah, she was 67. And the thing of, the thing people don't tell you about being the emperor, the empress, the king, the queen, um, really any high-level royalty, is that you don't often get to poop alone. You have valets, you have maids who are following you around. They're waiting outside the door, maybe. Mm. And that's what happens to Catherine. These folks are, her her maids, her retinue is uh, waiting outside the door for her to finish her deposit. And she is grunting, she's groaning, she's, you know, she's making all the noises you've heard in airport restrooms. And then when she stops grunting, her maids look at each other and they say, okay, wow, that was a weird one. Thank God, you know, the, the empress has got it out. And they wait and then they keep waiting. And they wait longer and longer. The minutes drag on. Eventually, one of them decides to risk their career and say something like, "Uh, your majesty, all is well. Yeah, there's a fine line, right? When you're attending to somebody and you have to literally wait outside for them to do their business. At what point do you come a knocking, you know? Shout out to death of Stalin. And and like the, the way like we've we've talked about like the the czars and the empresses like remember we had that episode that two part about the empress that everyone like hated or whatever who's evil like if you interrupted these people or did something wrong you're dead you're you're they gonna get, kill you they'll execute you or they'll make you be a jester or something right right and jester the role of the jester itself is uh an episode i want to write in the future because that's oof, that's way different than it's portrayed and uh dressed in motley uh, and sometimes, yeah, ooh, it gets, we might have to tag that one explicit too. So they don't hear an answer when, when they inquire about the Empress. And so eventually they take a peek 
into the water closet and they find her dead on the commode. According to, again, our pals of Britannica, this is not a 100% proven story. In fact, they think it is uh, woefully inaccurate. I mean, you're going to print the most interesting version of the story, I guess, or at least that's the one that people are going to remember. She suffered the event that led to her death while on the toilet. So for all intents and purposes, she died on the toilet. However, the truth is uh, more likely that she actually passed the next day as a result of the stroke. She had the stroke in the bathroom, and then the next day uh, she did pass away on November 17th of uh, 1796. Mm -hmm. No horse involved whatsoever. No horse involved, uh, as far as we know, uh, and probably not a horse involved in the death of Ironsides, just because it'd be tough for it to get into the lavatory pit. And then, you know, you don't have to love horses, but let's face it, they haven't stabbed anyone. In the I gotta box. say, I, I've been I went to I've been taking a lot of tours lately, and I went to the Detroit Institute of Art, um, and I was reminded how in a lot of like Renaissance paintings there are horses in the most intense contortions with these oh, yeah. really aggressive, like, you know, flared nostrils and they're all reared back and stuff. I'm a big fan of the depiction of war horses in, uh, in art. There's a great exhibit, a uh, samurai exhibit here at the High Museum uh, where you can see real life samurai horse armor. It is so cool. Look up a picture if you get a chance. Visit if you happen to be in town. Uh, and then also I was at the Prado recently in Madrid and they are all about some of those paintings, man. I I, I also like the uh, I also like the weird symbolism where all of a sudden in uh in a medieval painting there's some guy with a snail or mm. there's yeah or uh there's some guy with a <laughs> well look what kind of hijinks i'm in expression while they're being uh while they're being ripped apart anyhow yes the these stories are important and they tell the way they are told tells us about the society in which they were created. And so it's a struggle. History is an active thing. It is a struggle to determine the truth. But we're very happy today to end our episode by conclusively telling you it's got the ridiculous history stamp of approval. Catherine the Great did not die in some sort of TMZ situation with a horse. So put some respect on her name. Indeed. Um, but yeah, I think that gets us through this installment of Royal Deaths. And as Max pointed out um, in our conversations off mic, these are some of the most popular episodes we do. Uh, so we're just giving the people what they want. Y'all are messed up, not Max. Max right. is uh, not us. We're, we're, we're good boys and girls. It is condiments, a UFO episode, and this. They are, they are above everyone else. I've, so. got, I've got more condiment episodes, too. I'm oh, yeah. excited. Okay. Oh, economists are so great. And uh, yes, as Noel said, thank you as always, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks our research associate and super producer, Mr. Max Williams. And uh, let's all remember the main takeaway, whether you feel you are a prince, a princess, or a pauper, or a peasant. Don't push yourself. Literally, don't push yourself on or, the toilet. Or if you're John Popper from Blues Traveler who lost a lot of weight and still blows those harmonicas with a plum. And thanks also to Christopher Hasiotis. Thanks to Eves Jeffcoat. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed this slap and bop. Shout out to our pal, Gabe Luzier. Uh, and, oh, we also had a quizster run-in in Vegas. A run-in, but not an appearance. 
No, his his rider is crazy as he becomes increasingly villainous. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today.